We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Welcome to the Timeline of Phoenix Suns Podcast. My name is Mike. I'm here with Sam. Sam, how's it going? I'm doing great in my personal life, Mike. Um, I will tell you that. It's a very tranquil time of the year. Things are things are nice. Suns discourse has been uh, a little bit a little bit frustrating the past few weeks, <laughs> past couple weeks, I, I guess, as we come on to the DeAndre Ayton saga part 8 million. But you know what? We're going to call an audible here. Not an audible because we planned this. And I think we're going to talk about something other than DeAndre Ayton for the first half of the episode as a palate cleanser. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we still have to talk about DeAndre Ayton. Still cover the rumors. Because every, yep. every week there's rumors at this point, so we have to cover them. But it is what we're just like two and a half weeks away from at least having a much clearer picture of what the Suns are going to do. It's kind of interesting for you and I to like try to talk about free agency while not knowing what the biggest positions of need are going to be for the Suns because ultimately they have like a like a backup offensive player position you know maybe another star as we continue to talk about but they might have a center they might need a center and it's hard to talk about exactly what the Suns are going to need before we know right. uh so right and <laughs> hopefully most we teams, find a way to do it most teams that are out of the playoff picture there are 28 of them obviously at this point are heavily heavily into draft coverage um, people know a that's not our specialty around these parts, but B yeah. there's really nothing we can say about draft coverage. I guess we're we're gonna debate. Maybe we can do something before the draft next week, or maybe we won't do anything at all because the Suns just don't have a pick. So um, yeah, it's a little hard to talk about that. Uh, so yeah, it's just eight and eight and eight and and I understand why. Kind of as a result of that environment, people are at each other's throats. But also, um, we'll cover the rumors. Otherwise, it's getting it's getting silly out there. It's silly season. Yeah, but we have another player that has some sort of con- contractual options this summer, and that's the player we wanted to talk about to start this episode, and that's Cameron Johnson. Because we briefly, when we broke it, broke down the options for DeAndre, and immediately after the season ended, we briefly talked about 
what could be coming Cameron Johnson's way, but we never really settled on what we think he could be offered. And I'm, I'll be honest, I'm looking at different guys. I'm looking at the options and it's going to be, I think it's going to be kind of hard to come up with a number that really makes sense for him to sign as an extension because it's a really unique scenario for him in particular in that his first contract out of his rookie contract is kind of like his contract. This is his one big contract that's going to cover the length of his prime. He was drafted at 24 years old, for those who don't remember. That means that this will this contract could basically take him into his 30s, yep. which is just a rare scenario for a player coming out of their rookie deal. And I think that is going to make uh, his decisions particularly interesting. The other part of it, by the way, I don't know if you remember this, Sam. Do you remember who his agent is? Uh, I should, but I actually don't. Who is it? It's Devin Booker's dad, uh, Melvin Booker. <laughs> I did forget about this. Yeah. yeah. How, do we know how so, many clients uh, Melvin Booker has? I'm not sure. I know that one for sure, but uh, yeah, funny. do you want to look it up? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think that gives him uh, like a almost like clutch level type of leverage if they absolutely needed it. But the other part of that is I think that if Devin Booker is just like, we need to keep Cameron Johnson as long as possible. I think the Suns are going to know. There's a there's an easy way to let the Suns know. I mean, he can obviously just tell him or tell them. Uh, but, yeah, I think, uh, yeah. I mean, this is really the draft pick that James Jones is proud of. What is, is James Jones <laughs> only made two? He's made two picks, right? And he traded the other pick that they had Jaylen for Smith, Landry yeah. Shamit. Oh, and yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's it. Yeah. This is his one home run. I mean, J- Jalen Smith is, J- J- funny enough, Jalen Smith is increasingly looking like, I think, a solid pick compared to what a lot of draft experts expected out of him. It's really super early in his career as well. But it's just, yeah, you, you traded him for to get Torrey Craig back. So that didn't <laughs> that didn't exactly work. You know, even if you could, uh, we've talked about Halliburton and, and Vassell and all the other guys you could have had in that spot to death. But this is the one. The Cam Johnson pick is kind of what... James Jones hangs his legacy on as a drafter. So, yeah, it's kind of important, I think, that you... um Not necessarily that you show loyalty to him for that reason. You show loyalty to him uh, based on his play. But yeah. I think there's a lot of interesting questions here with Cam. L- like you covered, so first of all, the fact that this contract will run from ages... Assuming we're talking about a four-year deal, which I don't see any reason why not. Uh, we'd be talking about a contract that runs from his age 27 to 30 season... So really, really peak productivity, uh, roughly peak athleticism for most players. That's what we're dealing with. Um, and then, you know, just in terms of his play this season, I feel like there weren't a lot of extremes for Cam. Uh, the Knicks game, obviously, is like the one extreme good. Mm-hmm. Um, but for mm-hmm. the most part, he had hot streaks. He had cold streaks. Um but the extremes weren't ridiculous on either side, and I feel like we were able to gather a, a, a pretty good assumption of who Cam Johnson will be going forward. And, um, I, I, you know, I think the greatest remaining question is talking about ceiling. What yeah. else can he continue to add to his game at this point when he's already approaching age 26, 27 right now? Um, you know, those ceiling conversations are always kind of difficult, but those ceiling conversations are also less of a factor when you're talking about a guy who's this old coming off his rookie contract as opposed to a lot of guys who are typically ages 22 23 24 yeah and you're assuming some growth kind of uh factored into that contract offer so yeah i think i think it's gonna be really interesting for a lot of reasons 
so he this year he averaged twelve point five points per game, and in just like two minutes more per game than the previous season where he averaged nine point six points. So his overall production went up like pretty well on a minute by minute basis. He also essentially led the league in three point percentage up until he was injured, and he ended still ended the season with a forty two point five percent three point shot, which is essentially what we've been wanting from Cameron Johnson. Like this is exactly the type of season that you would want from him. He was a role player. He still came off the bench, which I think is an interesting part of this conversation for like, if they end up paying him a lot, is he going to still come off the bench? I kind of don't know. Uh, But the first thing I did was try to look up what I thought were comparable players, which made me quickly realize there's not many as far as the type of guys that Cameron Johnson is. And then I looked up their contracts because Cameron Johnson, six foot eight, six foot nine, essentially, and a three point shooter who's not bad at defense. Like he's he's pretty solid. I wouldn't say he's like a plus defender or like a great defender, but he's never terrible. I think he might and, be a plus. Personally. Yeah, maybe you're right. He's splitting maybe, hairs. I don't know. I it's, think it'll be interesting be to see him start. Like yeah. if he starts for a full season, will his defense start to affect them a little more? Fair. He was targeted over and over and over again by Luka Doncic. And for those who like to focus their entire <laughs> their entire off-season, off-season analysis on Game 7, <laughs> he was the only player that looked like he was trying <laughs> in Game 7. Uh, you know, I know people tend to... There's a lot of people that tend to bring up Game 7 only when talking about what the Suns need, which supposedly they had COVID, by the way. We'll talk about that later if we have time. I came up with a few names. Davis Bertans signed a five-year, $80 million contract, which is absurd now to think about. But he started to play well and was part of the reason the Mavericks beat the Suns in the postseason. That averaged out at $16 million annually. Three months ago, I would have made a snarky joke about that, but uh, yeah. I just I can't now because... <laughs> we no longer have the high ground. <laughs> we no longer yeah. have the ability to do that. So yeah. that's off Davis Bertans. I guess he earned it. And here's another one, Doug McDermott, which Yikes. I think Cameron Johnson is obviously better than. But I think it sets the it sets the market a little bit. Three years, forty one point two five million, which is only thirteen point seven five million annually. And honestly, when I first heard about this contract being signed by Doug McDermott, he was injured, and I thought it was kind of a bad contract. But he was really good this year. He was actually right up there with Cameron Johnson as far as uh, three point percentage, and has gotten a lot better at attacking off the dribble on closeouts. So that's a pretty good contract for Doug McDermott, to be honest. There's another one, an obvious one. Mikael Bridges, four years, ninety million dollars. This is this is the largest contract I'm going to talk about here, which is twenty two point seven five million annually. And Mikael Bridges just finished top three in Defensive Player of the Year voting. <laughs> he would be signed for a lot more had he waited. We're glad he didn't, of course. And I think this is a pretty fair contract for him. The offense is an interesting difference between him and Cameron Johnson. He plays a lot more minutes. Mikael Bridges is a great three-point shooter, not as willing to -hmm. shoot as Cameron Johnson. I think, well, I don't know. Would you just say that Cameron Johnson is a better offensive player than Mikael Bridges? Or I don't know how to really rate that. I would just say Cam Johnson suffers from fewer confidence issues offensively than Mikael Bridges. That's a good way. It's not necessarily that he's more talented. I I just think he makes shit happen more often on a permanent basis. And when we talk about comparing these two guys in contracts, I'll just say right now, like, I think that Mikael figure is too high for cam but if i'm cam's agent if i'm melvin booker i suppose 
Uh, I can see myself construing an argument where it's like, yes, you're giving up some of the defensive ability of, you know, obviously Cam Johnson is not, he doesn't have the same defensive ability as Mikhail Bridges, but he's just a more willing scorer. He's a more willing shooter. Um, There are some other stats I can bring up maybe in a little bit about free throw rate and, and, and stuff like that. And you can construct an argument to maybe say Cam Johnson has a higher offensive ceiling than Mikhail Bridges. It's a li- it becomes a little bit more difficult just based on the fact that Jay Crowder has been holding strongly that starting four spot all season long. But you could you could make an argument. Yeah, uh, maybe the best con- comparison is Duncan Robinson, who has has kind of not been as good since he signed the contract. So those who are thinking that that's not a good. Uh, Example, just keep in mind that Duncan Robinson was really great defensively in the bubble and actually was a big reason that they made it to the NBA Finals. He was a player that wasn't really played off the court in the playoffs. His contract was longer. It was a five-year contract, so a long one. I think he was a... Because of his status, I think he ended up being a a fully unrestricted free agent when he was able to sign. Um, But his contract went, is going from age 27 to age 31 hmm. so a very similar period of his career and it was a 5 year 90 million dollar contract but the last year of his deal which i thought was interesting and i only discovered today when doing my research is like half guaranteed it's partially guaranteed i did not know out that out of 19 million yeah out of 19 million dollars <clears throat> excuse me only 9.8 million dollars well is guaranteed so it's basically guaranteed that he's not getting the other half of that last year we know that now <laughs> it's an 80 million dollar contract yeah, yeah pretty essentially much. pretty much yeah and, he, he, i mean he's been rough for a little yeah, bit unless now. you know it, getting closer to the end of that contract i'm sure they can probably dump him somewhere and, and they'll decide what they want to do with that last bit of his contract but are there any other players that you could think of that are comparable to Cameron Johnson? Well, I didn't really think about it, I guess, in terms of exact skill sets and stuff, but I, you know, I just looked at some other recent rookie contract extensions that were non-rookie max extensions because, you know, I wanted to get a feel. And so, yeah, I, I think there are some other guys in the general range that we could make some comparisons to. Again, not exactly the same skill set, but just kind of a similar maybe role on the team. Kevin Herter. Um, is one guy who was re-signed by Atlanta last offseason for four years uh, with, uh, I've just got the averages here, I don't have the total, but an average of $16.2 million per year for Kevin Herter for a guy who has been a little bit on and off when it comes to the Hawks starting lineup over the past several years. He started, I without having his page in front of me, I want to say like 80 to 85% of the games for the Hawks um, over the past like two or three seasons. Um, but he has sometimes played in that bench role, obviously a shooter, obviously a combo guard kind of score type, but not overwhelming in terms of his offensive ability. Uh, OG Ananobi, four years, 18 million per year. That's a guy we brought up a lot in comparison to McHale's deal, I think. Um, and his was a couple seasons ago now. So, but, but I, I think it is still somewhat relevant in terms of, mm. uh, there are no reservations about whether OG can start or not. He's a two-way impact player. He's definitely improved on offense since he signed that contract. And so maybe he's answered some questions about that. But he's a two-way impact guy who's going to start on like basically any team in the NBA. Um, And he's making $18 million per year. Um, Luke Kennard is one last guy I would bring up. He's like maybe similar to Cam Johnson just in that he he signed a four-year, $14 million deal basically as a, a, a sixth man who could start like maybe 30 or 40% of your games if someone was out with an injury, but basically he was a bench player and he was out there to go and kind of score 
Uh, I don't think his defensive impact is to the level of Cam's. Um, I don't think he's quite as bad as Duncan Robinson level either, though, to be honest. So, and you know, that's what he's making 14 million a year. So right, I thought right. all of those were kind of interesting. Those are all recent. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if, you know, if Cameron Johnson really closed the season as strong as he was playing before his injury, it could have had an impact, but they do have that stretch of games where he was starting and he was just really great averaging over 20 points a game and was like a go-to scorer when Devin Booker was injured. Yeah. And it was the best stretch of his career. I mean, really, no doubt. I hit, he had that Knicks game. It was four or five games, so it wasn't a lot, but it's something to look at. So well, to explain the situation to people who don't understand it, he has a year left on his contract before he's an unrest- I'm sorry, a restricted free agent. So the Suns could sign him to an extension now that doesn't kick in until after this coming season. Uh, that means that he has the option of saying, I'm not interested in an, ex- in an extension now. You know, if he thinks the Suns are going to start him this year, maybe he wants to be a starter and have the opportunity to make more. Uh, but uh, I do want to look at the 2024 free agents. But did you have something to say there, Sam? Well, I, I just want to point out, you talked about that stretch of the season. You said it was only four or five games. It was only four or five games where he averaged over 20. But his best stretch of the season kind of as a general concept was from the start of the new year all the way up until that Knicks game. And then after that, he bruised his quad and he came back and he struggled. And he, he wasn't even quite the same when he came back in the playoffs, to be honest. But if you look at, if you just isolate that one stretch up until the Knicks game, uh, he averaged uh, over 25 games where he started 10 of them. He averaged 15 points, four rebounds, two assists per game, 51% from the field, 47 from deep, 93 uh, from the free throw line. It's always a bit of a dangerous game when you take a player's absolute best stretch of their career and say, hey, can he do? Can he sustain this for an entire season next year? And is that who we can project him as being? But yeah. if you're maybe less concerned about, say, a, a quad injury, which, to be honest, I think, you know, that was a temporary thing, and I don't really anticipate hindering Cam, like, greatly next season. Right. Um, he, we, we really saw a different Cam Johnson during that stretch, and it was incredibly encouraging to see him build that stretch over the course of not just four or five games, but but really it was more like 20 or 25 games. And if that's who he could be over the course of a full season, especially in the games where he started, he averaged 16.3 points, 4.9 rebounds on 66% true shooting. That's tremendous. And, you know, I don't know if he would shoot 50% from deep as a starter over a full <laughs> season. Maybe a lot of that is, is hot shooting luck. Um, he gets more open as a starter, I bet. Yeah, you know, like I, the I don't know. The defense isn't as zeroed in on him. I guess I would just, you know, let's say you can take that stretch and there's reason maybe for Cam in his own head, in his own logic, to want to gamble on himself um, if if we are bringing up that possibility because during that stretch, he really was amazing, uh, in my opinion. There were points of the postseason where I was asking for Cameron Johnson to start uh, in, the, in the postseason. So, and I think that shows the value that he would bring as just someone who can't be left in the starting lineup. So if Cameron Johnson were to wait and not sign an extension, which I think is kind of unlikely, just depends on what the Suns are willing to offer him, but if he's willing to wait, the market for next year, the 2024 free agent class, have you looked at it, Sam? It's kind of interesting. I have not looked at it one bit yet. I'm going to read you some names then. Clay Thompson, 34 years old. Tobias Harris, 32 years old. Chris Middleton, 33-ish years old. Pascal Siakam, 30 years old. CJ McCollum, 32. Carl Anthony Towns, 28. Devin Booker, 27. 
Chris Stapps, Porzingis, Gordon Hayward, Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, Jalen Brown. There's another interesting one, fully unrestricted. These are all fully unrestricted players, by the way. Uh, Draymond Green, Buddy Hield, and then it starts to get a little less interesting. I'll read those names only to illustrate the best free agents this year are Zach Levine and DeAndre Ayton. And Ayton's not even unrestricted. Yeah. Yeah, that's So the market great. next year is, is like, they're older players, a lot of these players. But there's quite a few all-stars in the mix. Clay Thompson, Chris Middleton, Pascal Siakam, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker and Carl Anthony Towns both have the option of signing uh, extensions right now. Um those are all all-stars right now. And Jalen Brown, I believe. Did Jalen Brown made an all-star team? I think he has, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jalen Brown's in there. Draymond Green. That'll be an interesting one, by the way. <laughs> what Draymond Green's final contract that he signs will look like. Taxpayer mid-level. Uh, something like that. By yeah, 2024. Maybe. He's cooked. <laughs> He's cooked. We're recording Sabonis. during... Sabonis. We're recording during game five right now, by the way. So we don't know what's going on. Sabonis yeah. is in that group, too? He is in that group. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's another one, 28 years old. Yeah, so there's just a lot of good players. If if Cameron Johnson were to wait, a lot of these players are probably going to sign some sort of extension. The free agent market, the reason it gets to the point that it gets, like this year, is that agents have used their leverage to force teams to sign or offer extensions more often than, than previous. Like Devin Booker, probably not. Devin Booker shouldn't be on this list no. by the end of this current no. offseason, for example. So that's that's an example of how it could look. But right now... If you're an agent and you're looking at this, you're probably like, you know what? I don't want to compete with that. What if the cap space dries up? Cameron Johnson has to settle for less. It's possible you could consider them having more leverage right now than they would later. And I don't know. Right. I, that's kind of how I'm looking at it. It's a, it's a bit of an extreme example, but no one wants to uh, Nerland's Noel, their client anymore. Yeah. Where do you remember that Nerland's Noel example from like many years ago yeah. now where... It was he, clutch, yeah. Yeah, he got offered... Was it clutch at the time? Yeah, because yeah, he, he fired him for he it. He ditched them yeah. after this, and as he should have, he got offered... Well, I mean, it was his fault, too, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but he got offered, what, like maybe 14 or $15 million from the Mavericks, and he turned it down, and then no one... The, the cap space all dried up too fast in the free agent pool the next year, and I believe he took the qualifying offer and just never got a big offer sheet, never got a big offer like that again. Yeah, it's like a $90 million contract, right? Something like yeah. that. Yeah, so, you know, offering. again, if you're Cam Johnson, you're age 27, you know that, like, this is your shot. You get a big offer sheet from the Suns this uh, this summer, uh, probably towards yeah. the end of the summer when they would try to take Maybe care you have of this that. realistically after other stuff. But it maybe would you have be a that quad injury in your mind. Yeah, you maybe know, before you sign it. Maybe. I, I, I'm not sure, but it's just it's it would be a lot of guaranteed money no matter what. We can split hairs on the exact, you know, what does he deserve? What does he not deserve? It's going to be a lot of guaranteed money. It would be a lot of guaranteed money to turn down this year. Yeah. And I'm sure yeah. Mikhail Bridges last year was operating under the same logic. Um, DeAndre yeah. Ayton was the guy who decided that actually, no, fuck you. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to gamble. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to gamble on myself and, you know, we'll, we'll see how that plays out for him. Yeah. That'll be a fascinating thing. If we hear the full version of that story, I bet the two sides are going to tell different stories. You know, ah, we'll talk about that later. I do have some sort of insight on that. But when I look at this first, we can come up with a number, and I think it'll be interesting to see. I think we'll both agree on something, I have a feeling. But the Suns could trade him. That's another option that the Suns could do right now. And then that next team has the option of negotiating an extension with him. This happens 
pretty commonly. Landry Shamit, for example, traded to the Suns. The Suns signed him to an extension before the season even started. Like, there are players that you have enough information about. You know, let me, you, you can debate whether you think the Landry Shamit extension was worthwhile. And maybe the Suns didn't have enough information about him. Uh, but I think teams, it, if they traded for Cameron Johnson, would probably feel pretty confident It will about be him. worthwhile in the Kevin Durant trade. Go on. So, yes, I mean, obviously, like Kevin Durant, like you do Aiden and Cameron, if they want Cameron Johnson, right, if you find a way to keep Mikel Bridges, you would do that. And, like, I keep in mind the there is the complication of his agent being Devin Booker's dad when you trade him as well. You want Devin Booker to be happy, and I don't know, maybe Devin Booker understands the business as well. And of I don't course, know, man. If you're, Kevin, if you're getting Kevin Durant, I don't think Booker's going to be mad about that. But If that's going to be a consideration, I think, Melvin's in the wrong business. I I, I have a hard time believing yeah, just get that. Get the most money. Yeah, I I I think he's making moves as he has the right to to you know in, ensure the greatest wealth for his family. And you know this was an approach he wanted to take with his career. Obviously, I don't think all this stuff about like is my son happy or not. I don't think he's really thinking about that. Just in, in yeah. terms of business, he's just trying to get his con- but, clients you know, paid. James Jones probably is though, right? Sure, sure. <laughs> you don't sure. you don't play, you don't play different. hardball. That's different. Yeah. You, don't, you don't play hardball with Devin Booker's father. Um, so yes, so you would do that. You, obviously, I think you would do our fake imaginary Donovan Mitchell trade. I assume you would put Cameron Johnson and Aiden in that if if somehow you could get Donovan Mitchell as well, right? Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, so far we're talking about clear superstar players. Yes, I would trade Cam Johnson for a superstar. So where does the line end? Well, for example, yep. Like o- OG Ananobi, supposedly unhappy in Toronto. And maybe Aiton is not going there. Maybe Aiton goes somewhere else. But maybe the Suns could build something around like Jay Crowder, Cameron Johnson, and picks for OG Ananobi, who is on a pretty good contract right now. Would you do that? Too little return. Uh, it's that 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 to me seems like such a diminishing return. You could make the argument that OG is the better player right now, but frankly, I don't think he's a better player by much. Do you? I I, I think we need to have I think we need to have a conversation about is Cam Johnson expected on this next contract to yeah. be a 40% volume three-point shooter who plays acceptable yeah. defense and that's it or well, 30 are we plus minutes a game maybe at this point are we and, and 30 pl- and yeah sure and you can extrapolate the playing time a little bit and I'm sure he would be able to handle 30 plus minutes per game that's not even a concern of mine but I, I, I guess I want to call back to remember what Monty said in the aftermath of the disaster that was game seven where he said I feel like I didn't put these guys in a position to succeed in the playoffs where you just need guys to put their heads down and get a bucket. I'm paraphrasing everything that he said, obviously. But yeah. he specifically called out by name, and it was interesting because he didn't talk about Aiton here when he was talking about this. I think because, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm speculating. I don't think because he hates Aiton, but I think because he was just focusing in his mind on perimeter players, guys who catch <laughs> the ball on the perimeter and can maybe work an ISO or, or a pick and roll. You mean ball guys who possession. might actually drive? Right? Yeah, shut up. I think Aiden uh, yes. had what tw- 20, 26 drives this season. So he talked like about he talked <laughs> about Mikael Bridges. He talked about Cam Johnson. He even talked about Landry Shamit when he gave this answer to a reporter. Which again, Landry Shamit, whatever. But with with Cam, you know, it's I, I I guess it just brings up an interesting debate that I do think we've had before, but. Did Monty fail Cam Johnson in not giving right. him a, like like we've had this conversation with Aiton before and it's exhausting to yeah. continue having this conversation with Aiton. We do it a little bit less with Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson. Should yeah. Monty have let Cam Johnson run pick Feed and rolls? Feed Cam Johnson. 
shut up. <laughs> Run, pick, and rolls. <laughs> Take me seriously. No, I, I should think he have right. let. I, should he have let Cam Johnson fail during the regular season, even if it led to fewer wins? Oh, okay. During the regular season. Yeah, believing that it would have paid dividends in the playoffs and in future contracts like this, where you have a more well-rounded player. Do we actually believe in that potential for Cam Johnson? Because, you know, I think we have some stats we can point to here, and I think there are some good ones and, and some really bad ones. But first, I'm curious kind of just what you think about his ceiling right now. I think the Suns have done a really good job developing Cameron Johnson for, for what he's become. I mean, his movement off the ball, his willingness to shoot against contests, and his ability to attack on closeouts have all gotten better since his rookie year where he came in at 24 years old. And I would say significantly better yeah. in this last year. So I don't think in any way the Suns have held him back. I think even at his absolute peak, absolute peak, he's a role player, just a really good one. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. And so you got you to gotta maximize that within his role and i think they have done exactly that i think they should be incredibly proud of what they've done with him so far where i think where i thought you were going and where i think you could make a good case for is he should have probably just started him at some point in in the playoffs and and not allowed teams to leave <sighs> jay crowder over and over and over again that could be the future like there's a good chance that jay crowder is on another team next year and cameron yeah. johnson is starting and that may have been the only way to get Monty Williams to do that based on what we saw in the playoffs. And I think that definitely still leaves some defensive and physicality concerns, not going to lie, just based on what we know about Cam yeah. Johnson. He's yeah. not a like Jay Crowder is not a tremendous rebounder either, but Cam is even worse. The stats do show that um, the physicality defensively, it would be worse, maybe not significantly so. But yeah, I do think we're talking about a drop off there. And, and if you're talking about playing Cam 30 plus minutes and you know, it, it gets to a discussion of does that wear him down offensively, the fact that he will be having to exert more effort defensively. And also, he needs to get in the weight room this year uh, if he yeah. maybe wants to play that role for an entire season because it's it's going to be critical. Um, I and that's why I think I would trade him for OG Ananobi, for the record. Yeah, I would. Just because I, I, I think you upgrade the physicality on defense in a way that it's the Suns have been lacking a, a big giant guy who could guard big giant guys. You know, they have nobody to guard Luka, basically. OG's cool, but I just I don't see that high-level initiator in him either. And so yeah. I, don't, I don't think you're getting enough there. Let me throw two stats your way, one really good and one really bad. And I just want to gauge your take on them okay. as it relates to Cam okay. Johnson. Really good. The second highest free throw rate on the entire Suns roster in the playoffs. Free throw rate is not uh, like total free throws or even free throws per game of exactly right. how many free throws you shoot, but it's a proportion of the number of free throw attempts you take per field goal attempt. So on a per field goal attempt, who's getting the most free yeah. throws? Cam Johnson finished second on the team in the playoffs, yeah. only behind Bismack yeah. Biombo. I thought that was really interesting for a guy who's supposed to be a shooter. Um, he it's, had already it's not surprising for how he, he's developed. Yeah, he had already improved his free throw shooting to a career high eighty six percent this season, and he had already improved his free throw uh, attempts, like per hundred possession attempts, uh, to a career high. Not like substantially, but you know, in previous seasons it would have been like two, and this season it was three. So it was improvement for a guy who was able to attack closeouts and. Um, you know, I think his moves are relatively simple, but he was able to put his head down and, and drive forcefully to the rim and sometimes even winds up with that poster dunk. I thought that uh, was really impressive. But does that surprise you at all, just hearing that he was second on the roster in the playoffs? No, I mean, I don't think I would have guessed it, but hearing it out loud, it doesn't feel surprising. Okay. It does feel like something like, like that's something he's really developed well. He's kind of reckless, actually. Uh, you know, that's the one thing I would kind of worry about with him starting because like the injury against Mitchell Robinson, to be fair, he was just attacking the close that Mitchell Robinson came in sideways, but that was attacking the rim. 
and he took a knee right to the thigh. Uh, so yeah, I would hope he finds ways to continue to remain healthy, but that recklessness is how he's able to draw free throws. Yeah, and we, God knows we need the free throws right now, so I really, really appreciated that. Here's the bad stat. Pull up two-point shooting for Cameron Johnson the regular season this year. Nine for 48. Ah. One, do you want to know what yeah. that is as a percentage? I need to look it up. That is oh, ni- no. that is that is nineteen percent, my friends. Do you have <laughs> yes. a reaction to that? <laughs> uh, I'll be honest. It kind of felt like that uh, yeah. as well. In that, in the previous season, the final season, I felt like someone something was starting to get going there. Like he was starting to figure out that little pull up shot, especially like in the last few months of the season slash playoffs. And so I was hoping to see it this year. I think it was something we talked about on our internal development episode uh i think that was with gerald in the off season and we just didn't see it i mean we saw him 48 shots is you know that's what like almost like one a game almost one again for the amount of games he played yeah yep. uh so he was it trying just never it. quite worked he was yeah, trying it, it but but that i that implies like a really 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 poor conversion rate as a pick and roll ball handler which you know i i guess you could say is not the role that you're trying to shuffle cameron johnson into in the future necessarily but when you talk about ceiling, it is important to say, okay, so he's improved his free throw rate. Maybe that means he can generate really good returns as a weak side closeout punisher of sorts. Uh, but he's not a pick. He's not a pick and roll ball handler type, and he just won't be. And so, how do you maximize the returns and and the ceiling of Cameron Johnson going forward as a guy who's who doesn't have the greatest speed or the, or the greatest yeah. leaping ability. He does have a or leaping athleticism. ability. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I have thought about it. He's not the greatest it. defender, but he's like one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA. Right, and I have thought about it before. I'm like, well, okay, so he's he's just, like, you look at those stats and you're like, he's just not going to be a pick-and-roll initiator, right? He, yeah. He's not. So outside of, I mean, we know he can do easy catch-and-shoots. We know he can do off-screen shooting as well. Where else are you going to eke that offensive production out of like like what other skills could he develop i suppose is it reasonable Mm -hmm. to believe that he still develops a a a solid mid-range jumper in addition to plus playmaking given that he's six eight six nine i think that's kind of wishful thinking at this point one thing the the mid-range shot i think i still feel like there's a small chance that at least gets up to like 39 40 percent yeah i mean the form is good and i i could buy into it being a 39 40 percent shot that's like passable for the regular season it's not going to be a move that that you feel comfort in you're not going to go to it in the clutch yeah (laughs) one thing i was thinking about is if cam really focuses on adding strength this year right like if he's like okay i'm going to be the starting power forward and i'm going to i'm going to put on muscle and we're going to focus on the defense and physicality and rebounding aspect of the game how that relates to his offense, like, okay, maybe he's not a pick-and-roll ball handler, and maybe he, he doesn't blow by anyone with his speed. Could he be one of the one of these, like, <laughs> and, and don't laugh at me when I bring up this this comparison, but, like, could he be one of this these step-back three types? Like, could he be a really, yeah. really, really watered-down version of Luka Doncic who, who, <laughs> who kind of right. has, has demos entirely to create the three? Pick, yes, pick and rolls entirely to create the three. Like, if he can get enough gravity behind that shot, and that is certainly, like, we're talking about probably the most difficult self-created shot in basketball, so by no means am I saying it's an easy feat. I'm just like, where is it reasonable to expect that maybe he could develop something new? Well, if he could do I mean, that. Yeah. Like, yeah, if he could. And, and the reason I bring it up also is because I've seen Cameron Johnson hit step back threes before. It's just yeah. right now it's something that he tries maybe once every five games. Yeah. What mm-hmm. if next year he took one of those per game? And if you get I it, would if, love it. Yeah. if you developed enough gravity on it and, and you 
baited defenses into it enough and he was stronger, then okay, maybe you kind of like kind of one of these large, like robust wing types, you sort of just slither your way to the to the bucket after you bait someone into the shot by doing that. And uh and it kind of creates like, okay, you don't have the mid range game, you don't have the in between, but you can either get to the rim uh with a guy on your hip. Or you can take the three. I don't know. I mean, is it reasonable yeah. to expect that he becomes that? Maybe not. But if he does, then you know, you're we're certainly cooking with gas at that point. So, well, I can say that you did. You just did a good job of illustrating why an extension is important. Because if he were to try one step back three a game, there's a chance that it slightly tanks his three point percentage, and slightly tanking his three point percentage right before his free agency is something that he probably would not want to do. But if he's signed long term and he's confident in his place with the team, and the team is encouraging him to take those shots, then he doesn't have to worry about it affecting his bottom line. And that's the advantage of getting these guys on extensions right now. Okay, so I have a number. This is a longer conversation than I thought we were going to have on this, which is good. I think it's interesting. I have a number, a yearly number, and I guess a four-year number that we can talk about. Do you have a number as well that you think that would be a good contract that is realistic for Cameron Johnson. Yeah, I've thought about yearly numbers. Um, I'll I say tend to save the should we front load it, back load it, whatever for yeah. the for the real cap gurus who are like yeah. really crunching the numbers to understand exactly what we have to work with with uh, and the sons are good at that and stuff. Yeah, yeah, but I I haven't thought about that. I've just thought about like yeah, this per year feels good. Okay, my number is eighteen million per year. What's yours? Mine was seventeen. So okay. we're in about the same place. I think there's zero chance the Suns get him for less than 15. When I looked at yeah. these other, when or even 15, when I looked at these other contracts, I'm like, Cameron Johnson's better than all these guys. And I think the most realistic one is probably the closest to what Duncan Robinson signed, being that it's an incredibly similar deal. Duncan Robinson was fully unrestricted. They were able to sign him to a non-max five-year deal. And that allowed them to put that little extra wiggle room in there for the last year. I don't think the Suns need to do that for Cameron Johnson that you know maybe there was a little more worry about Duncan Robinson holding up I don't think there's really that for Cameron Johnson so yeah I would say four years 72 million I mean you're right there 668 million do you think that's something that he would sign um I I don't know we we don't know what the we don't know what the roster is going to look like I would like to think yes I would like to think that that is a fair load of guaranteed money to turn down um, at a time in your career when you're not exactly sure if you're going to be a starter or a bench player going forward. And of course you never know with a hundred percent accuracy, your health, uh, yeah, going forward. So yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to think that that's a fair offer and that Cam would take it. And I think everyone would be super happy with that, but, uh, I, I guess time will tell. Well, it'll be interesting to see what the people listening to this think. I would love to hear your thoughts. Let us know. He loves Phoenix. Phoenix loves him from all accounts. Cameron Johnson is an incredibly competitive dude who just wants to win. And the Suns have give him, given him the opportunity to compete basically every year of his career. So it'll be interesting to see how that ends. We'll take a quick break and we'll break down some more of the rumors about DeAndre and, and other things coming up next. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, Sam, we're gonna, we're just gonna have to do this every week. Yeah, it's fine. I've made my the eight the eight and rumor roundup. It's only a few more weeks of this, a few more episodes of this, and then that's it. Can we get um, let me? Mm-hmm. Can we get one thing out of the way first? Sure. I just I know I know people have varying opinions about you know maybe they don't like it when we get too meta about the discourse that's going on out in the community, but you know we're gonna talk about the eight and rumors here this week because that's what's out there like you like you said like we're going to continue to cover it it's just I, I guess I don't understand right now why this conversation I, maybe I understand why but I'm frustrated by the fact that this conversation is increasingly becoming Chris Paul on one side like who backs Chris Paul <laughs> on one side and who backs DeAndre Ayton on the other side and I just I don't I, I, I don't understand exactly how we got here in a season that ended in colossal failure that can kind of be blamed on everybody I guess maybe the Aiton people are frustrated by the fact that it feels like all of us continue to talk about DeAndre Aiton all the time. But it's like, I don't know, man. Where where are you with this? Because it's like, I, I wish we didn't have to do this every week. I wish we didn't have to talk about DeAndre <laughs> yeah. Aiton all the time. My, my thing with DeAndre Aiton at this point is less so like I want him off the team because I think he's, you know, uh, a lost cause or whatever. But more so just because it's like he's a free agent. Chris Paul is not a free agent. Chris Paul doesn't have a yeah, lot of trade value anyway. Yeah. yeah, it's like, but I just, I, I wish the the fracturing of the community would calm down a little bit because the two extremes are getting pretty insane. Chris Paul took the third most field goal attempts on the Suns this season. DeAndre Ayton was second. Most of those field goal attempts by DeAndre Ayton were assisted by Chris Paul. If anyone thinks that James Jones is thinking about this as Chris Paul or DeAndre Ayton. I'll tell you this right now, not to stir things up even more. It's a lot more Cameron Johnson or DeAndre Ayton at this point because Chris Paul, you could essentially get rid of the majority of his salary after this season. Then Cameron Johnson's extension would kick in if the Suns signed Cameron Johnson to an extension. The reality of the tax bill the Suns are going to see in future seasons is that the high-paying guys 
that are going to have the largest impact on that outside of Devin Booker are right now going to be DeAndre Ayton and Cameron Johnson. And this is the summer where they can make a decision on both of those players. So I'm not really sure why people are pinning them against each other. Like I said, Chris Paul didn't, DeAndre Ayton took more shots than him this year. I think more often than not, during the regular season, I personally was bitching about Chris Paul turning down shots that I wanted him to take, and I thought he should have shot more uh, shots in the regular season. Uh, the playoffs as well, but there were differing situations there. So yeah, I, just, I, found it, I found it to be odd, and I think that I don't think it's logical. I Honestly, I don't think it's logical in any way. I, I don't think that those, I think those guys are close, and I think Chris Paul has only been good for DeAndre Ayton's career odd it's very odd yeah this i mean yeah i guess we're gonna keep talking about it man the suns have a second best player problem uh yeah assuming that you believe that devin booker is their best player and whether you're on the chris Which side you should by now if you don't by the way. <laughs> we debated it at times throughout as recently as this season yeah but now um, chris paul's yeah i mean it's pretty clear now I'd no say. yeah i agree i agree uh, whether you're on the Chris Paul side, though, or on the DeAndre Ayton side, if you think that either one of those guys could be the second best player as in their current form uh, on a championship team, probably both sides are wrong. So, so I don't know, yeah. man. It's like we got to right. we just we just it like I guess I'm trying my best not to pit. We are only talking about DeAndre Ayton because he's the only one who happens to be a free agent. But yeah. rest assured. The failure of the the, the 2022 Phoenix Suns, it was a failure of everyone. It was a colossal, <laughs> like, I, I'm disappointed. Well, I continue to be disappointed in all of these guys. And so I guess I just want people to understand, I'm not trying to scapegoat any one player. Yeah. Um, the, the Suns have their work cut out for them if they want to win a goddamn championship in the future. That's what we're trying it's to figure out. It's funny because there are the options to run it back that people are talking about. And then there are, like, these sort of half-assed, sign and trade options that people have come up with. And I think the debate for a lot of people has been is just running it back. Does that make them closer to a championship than these sign and trades that are not technically equal value for Deandre? And, and I, I, I be honest and people probably hate when I talk like this. I think they're both just as close to winning a title for a lot of them in that they're not going to uh, in, in most, most cases, you know, whether it be Jakob Pertl and Keldon Johnson, or just re-signing DeAndre, and they still have problems that they're going to have to solve in order to win a champ- championship with either one of those scenarios. And I think it's up to the Suns, and it's up to their decision makers to find the best way forward in between those lines, and that's incredibly difficult. And honestly, you know, not to bitch about this either, but it makes it harder for us to talk about it because we're not sure which path they're going to go down. I do think some clarity is coming, though. Because Mark Stein reported that league people, people around the league, think that Aiton is the most important player to change a team this change teams this year. And this has come after <sighs> reports from a lot of people who who are essentially thinking this. And even Kellen Olson, I listened to his Empire of the Sun podcast from a few days ago, also said, based on what he feels about this team, that you know, he I think he put it at like 85 percent that DeAndre in is gone on that podcast and the small percentages that they're just not getting any offer worthwhile. But he even mentioned the concept of them just being okay, not getting anything close to equal value and just moving on from there. Uh, so in some respects, I think the whispers about DeAndre and not staying with the Suns are, are becoming screams 
at this point. <laughs> People are trying to tell us that DeAndre is likely gone next year. You could say that this isn't necessarily new news, I think. Some people have made that case. But it is a number one overall pick that is likely going to be let go in his first contract, who was a good player. Like It's not like a complete bust no, situation. No, not even close. So what do you think about this report? Oh, man, it kind of fucking sucks, right? <laughs> it's like <laughs> not, not that I would necessarily mourn the loss of DeAndre Ayton, depending on the return. We've talked about trading the guy a million times on this podcast, if I'm being honest, yeah. but it's just... I, I don't like the idea of this eroding leverage right now that's going on as people continue to, to scream, as you said, more and more about the idea of it being fractured relationship and him really wanting out of here. And yes, the Suns still have some leverage, uh, but I just like in a lot of these trade, pa- a lot of these trade packages are just bullshit, man. And I really want the option to just re-sign the guy, match a, a four-year max offer, and reevaluate a year from now. I would like to believe that that could still work. Um, these reports are are starting to give me the idea that maybe even that is not feasible, and that and maybe even yeah. it's and maybe it's James Jones's fault that they're not even interested like, in pursuing that path. They, I think that would be they can cited. It. Yeah. Right. They can do it. It's. I mean, it's but a let's be honest. Willingness to do it. So, like, okay, theoretically, uh, uh, sorry, I'm going to segue into your next rumor here. But like, let's say they take what, what I would refer to as one of these bullshit offers. Right. There are a bunch of <laughs> okay. offers, but you know, if you get DeAndre Ayton for Clint Capella and a late first round pick, yeah, you think you think James Jones is is that short sighted that he accepts that over just saying no? We'll we'll just match an offer and and reevaluate six months or a year from now because that to me would just be so so disappointing and we would have to have a conversation about the front office at that point i think if that were to happen this summer i i think that there's a good chance things are not going well between deandre and and the coaches or the players and i could see them accepting something like that if they absolutely had to Based on everything that's going coming like coming out about this team and the extent to which... And the thing about free agency is interesting because you can make the case the Suns haven't said anything. And I think you're probably right. But the players in the locker room, they can talk and they can tell people what's going on. The coaches can. I don't think the Suns coaches would, but they can. Maybe assistant coaches going to other teams. you know. And then you have the agents that are going around like DeAndre Ayton's agent can go around and see things. DeAndre Ayton himself could go around and see things. The, the idea that the Suns haven't said anything about this doesn't necessarily matter when it comes to a free agency. These rumors can get out pretty easily and they can come from different places. Maybe smoke screens, maybe not. Right. Uh, but yeah, Jeff, or I'm sorry, Jake Fisher is pushing Atlanta hard. He keeps saying that that keeps coming up over and over and over again for DeAndre Ayton. Um, and then today, from Kevin O'Connor, there was a report that John Collins could be traded. And he even said for a lottery pick, which could potentially clear cap space, by the way, for uh, a run at DeAndre Ayton, if that's something they end up doing. I think they'd still have to do more, so the Suns could still get something out of them. Uh, but I thought that was interesting. Have you thought about, you probably did today, I'm guessing, John Collins for DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, uh, first of all, Collins is making, let me see, 
20, uh, 23 and a half million next year. So he is above the $19 million threshold with the base yeah. year compensation rule and all so that. That's put Tory Craig in there. Easily. Yeah. yeah. Easily worked yeah. around by the fact that it would be eight and plus a piece Shamit or Craig or something. You'd figure it out. Yeah. Um, just in terms of who John Collins is, the player, I, I don't know, man. I, it's better than Clint Capella, but I still think this is kind of a lose-lose for both teams. I guess yeah. I don't see the... I, I, certainly, Aiton is a huge defensive upgrade over John Collins for the Hawks. Yeah. Um, yeah. They could play him and Capella side-by-side. Side. Aiton could finally be a power forward. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what they should do. They no, could they, play, would trade, they, they would trade Capella. Yeah, They would trade Capella for what? I don't know. I'll be honest. I mean, you could play Aiton and Okongwu side-by-side, side, and I don't hate that. Okongwu's yeah, DeAndre kind of, Hunter. Okongwu's kind of interesting, well. actually. Um, yeah. John Collins is... Uh, clearly a guy who had a lot of he's positive he, yeah i mean he's good but he, he's a good player yeah he is but but hear me out he had a, pos, a lot of positive momentum a couple of years ago and at a certain point you know if you're the 610 wiry power forward who's not really a center but probably should be and doesn't really play as much defense as you should it inevitably comes an issue yeah. when you're trying to play for actually great teams and that's the that's the stage of john collins career where we're at is john collins doomed in the modern nba to play for mediocre teams or can he adapt his game to be uh, a successful starting center which he would probably have to be somewhere so i don't know it's difficult right, with him right, man right. he only he only played i actually didn't even realize this until i looked it up today he only played 24 minutes per game in that heat series uh yep. this year that's concerning. It's it's stuff like that which is concerning. Yeah, um, it's not the worst case scenario. I'll say that. I think there's there's like this general belief about John Collins that the Hawks just did not utilize him as well as they could have, and I do think that there's an interesting scenario where John Collins is the you know starting power forward, and then maybe the Suns run a five out small ball unit with John Collins at the five and really go all in on offense during those minutes and see how good they can do in that scenario. And then John Collins is the screener. He is popping. He's catching it in the middle of the floor, attacking, passing out of that stuff like that. And maybe the Suns are able to capitalize on that and really try to find ways to utilize him really well. He's a pretty good three point shooter. Like throughout his career, he's, yeah, he's, he's never been bad, Yeah, which, you know, is kind of interesting. I think the biggest concern would be, defense and yeah and I, I don't know we'll see what ends up happening there but I, I'd say keep an eye on John Collins as a potential option for the Suns if you know both teams are willing to move on from guys worst case scenario John Collins is still a tradable contract I would think especially if you could revive his career a little bit but look I, I guess I'm just like but also just for a second from Atlanta's perspective let's say I don't know. Let's say you you clear Clint Capella for cap space or something, and then you you do an Aiton for Collins sign and trade or whatever, um, and you get a I don't know you get a lottery pick for for Capella. I'm not I'm not exactly sure how this would work. I'm just kind of improvising here, but it's like, what does that do for the Hawks? I, I I'm just not sure I <laughs> yeah. get it. Is Aiton going to be like? Don't they need more playmaking surrounding he's a better, Trey? Yeah. What, what I mean, is he's Aiton a much do better for, defender? I know I know he is, but what is he what does yeah. he really do for that team as their second best player? Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of fascinating, actually. I'd like to see it, <laughs> like in like a two K version of it, at least, just to see how it would work uh, with Trey Young getting Aiton's a good screen. He's gotten a lot better at screening, right? He's learned a lot from Chris Paul, and that would be something that he would benefit. Yeah, I don't think they're a team that would 
give him what he supposedly has asked for, which is just allowing him to. I could see how they know, that that team revolves around Trey and and will until they get another ball handler. And I think Bogdan is I the mean, closest they have. The inside outside gravity between the two of them would be tremendous. I'll give them that. Like no doubt, you would watch it on offense and it would work a lot of the time. But it's just like and he's like the best passer in the league too. So yeah, it's you know, it's it's going to thread a lot of needles. It's still not a perfect roster fit. I guess I would just say that. I would question. He'll have to learn how to not throw bounce passes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which was something that would help. Okay, let me just make a point here, though. Devin Booker is eligible for a super max extension. This offseason, he can sign it essentially all the way up to like the beginning of the season. He has a long time to do it. As much as we talked about people oddly turning against Chris Paul, I can tell you one thing that I know with 100% certainty. Devin Booker has not. And he knows that the clock is running on Chris Paul as well. If the Suns were to find a way to, quote-unquote, go all in on a championship, this is the year to do it. And Devin Booker has the leverage to force that. And I think this is a kind of interesting thing about this offseason because right now Devin Booker can use his agent to go to James Jones and say yeah I'll sign an extension you have to give me a championship worthy team now otherwise I'm going to go into my free agency after next year and figure things out there then you'll have an opportunity to prove that you're building a championship contender there but he believes in Chris Paul and he knows that with Chris Paul this is the year this is the last year basically that you're going to have to really go all in with Chris Paul and that means dramatically upgrading at certain positions for this team and I think this free agency, as important as we've talked about it, and this offseason in general, as important as we've talked it up to be, he's got a lot of leverage over the Suns right now. And uh, I, I, I think he would be wrong to not utilize it. And I think it's going to be fascinating. You talk about John Collins as an option. Yeah, that's an option. Or even just bringing DeAndre Ayton back. If, if Devin Booker says that's not it, then they kind of can't do it. Uh, and it's just, I think... I could just keep coming back to this mentally because it's just a tough year, man. I know that he believes in Chris Paul, and I think that's going to have an effect on what we're looking at going forward. Um, anything else on John Collins? No, not on John Collins. Should we move on to other teams? I'm going to just throw out one team to watch, and that's the Orlando Magic Yep, as a, a potential suitor for uh, DeAndre Ayton. It's just something that well, I've heard about as a potential suitor for DeAndre and that really hasn't been reported yet. Um, they um, have the number one overall pick. They've been known to sign big men before and uh, they'd have to clear a little bit of cap space to do it, but I don't think it would be very hard for them uh, to do if they needed to do that. Can I just Any say, on that? well, okay, first of all, number one overall pick, I don't know who they're going to, I don't want to discuss the draft. No draft talk allowed. So actually we're not going to, we're it's not like going to a big tall that. skinny guy. Yeah. Big, um, <laughs> <laughs> A- Aiton paired with big tall skinny guy at the four would be kind of cool and Aiton Cole- would be at the four in that scenario actually Sorry. <laughs> and with uh and with Cole Anthony who you know I, like there's a core there there's a core there that makes sense yeah um, they would lose a lot of games next year here's my yeah I mean what's new but here's my magic take Wendell Carter's really underrated actually yeah yeah <laughs> I guess if I if I could plant anything in people's ear now like, if this if the Suns were <laughs> capable of getting Wendell Carter Jr. back instead of Capella that's good. I'm not saying opinion, I'm not right? saying that that's that's I'm not saying that that's good either. Like I'm not saying that that's exactly an Aiton replacement, 
But again, I guess I almost question why the Magic would be so insistent on replacing <laughs> Carter with Aiton because Carter is actually pretty good. He kind of spaces the floor. He averages a few assists per game. Like, he kind of puts the ball on the floor. And he's also only 22 years old. And Name. I think he's under team control until 2026, making barely $12 million a year. He's actually on a front-loaded contract, as I look at his page now, starting next season to, to the point where... By yeah. by Wendell Carter's yeah. by Wendell, it's a great contract. By when, look at this by Wendell Carter's age twenty six season, but just before he goes into uh, his his unrestricted free agency phase, he'll be making eleven million dollars yeah. for a guy who yeah. averaged fifteen ten and three this season on solid efficiency. He's a decent defender. Like he's not. He can do a little dribbling. He can do a little shooting. He can do a little like bit he, of everything. I'm look. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm not trying to talk anyone into anything right now. I'm just saying, like from a general NBA perspective. Uh, keep an eye out for Wendell Carter. He's actually pretty who, solid. Who are the best? Who are the best free agents Orlando has ever had in your memory? My memory? Yeah, yeah. I can't. I can't. Think it's like can't think Gary Harris and Biombo. <laughs> like this is. They kind of like DeAndre. I get Did why they get? they'd be. This is the kind of free agent they can get. DeAndre Ayton. That's like that would be like honestly that would probably be. Their best free agent signing in the last twenty years. Did they um, assemble the Dwight the Dwight Finals team where like where Rashard Lewis or Hito Turkoglu were those free agent signings right. or did they trade for those guys? I can't even remember anymore. But what year was that? Oh, like oh eight and oh nine was the team that went to the finals in oh nine. I think. Yeah, that was probably working off memory. He was here. drafted there. I mean, Dwight was drafted there. Dwight was drafted uh, there, but I'm wondering if the surrounding piece. Anyway, it doesn't Tracy really matter. Tracy McGrady. The po- point according is, to the internet, point is no the top great. five best. According to the internet, the top five best free agent signings in Orlando. Number one, Tracy McGrady. That's that's the best, right? I mean, you, you realize that. you realize by the way that other than Steve Nash, Phoenix is not much better. So we shouldn't we shouldn't make too many yes. jokes here. Okay, uh, yeah, like, no, like totally our number agree. two is like Grant Hill or something. So we yeah. all, we only have so much room to talk. Yeah, I mean the Suns have a lot of good trades. Number I think, three, Tyson Chandler. Eat. Yeah. <laughs> Number number four, that time LaMarcus Aldridge almost signed <laughs> in Phoenix. Uh, number one, Tracy McGrady. Number two, Horace Grant, which is a great example of like a role player that was signed that got him to the finals. And then here's where it gets bad. Number three, Hito Turkoglu. Okay. Rashard Lewis. Number four, Bo Outlaw. Number five. I mean, Turkoglu. These are all a long time ago except for Turkoglu. Turk and uh, Rashard Lewis Tracy got them. Rashard Man, Rashard Lewis. Oh, nine, Rashard Lewis put some respect. Yeah. Put some uh, respect. Lewis would be so good in today's NBA. They also really like, that, really good. That team's kind of fascinating. I mean, I, I yeah, still have that a was lot the prototypical lot of like modern team. NBA team. Yeah, I that had the point forwards, the rim running five who wanted to post up, and uh, yeah, they were kind of they shot a lot of threes around him. Um, <laughs> kind of a fascinating cool thing. Cool team, cool team. Yeah. So I I guess I understand why Orlando may be interested, and we'll see if that ends up being the case. Let's see where we at on time here. Wow. We really spent a long time on Cameron Johnson. A couple things that I want to get through real quick here. Eric Pincus of Bleacher Report is saying that the Suns maybe are resistant to trade Dario Saric and want him to come back and be healthy. This is actually something I mentioned after, uh, I think it was like one or two episodes ago. Maybe it was a Patreon one. So sorry if you didn't hear it. But I just, God, I just had the feeling that this was coming. That I think the Suns maybe want to keep Dario and want to keep him as that backup five. Because it's kind of better than any of the options if he gets back to like just about what he was. You know, he had multiple injuries. And even to some extent, if they could revive his value a little bit before the trade deadline and, and, and then trade him at that point, it's right. not the worst case scenario. What do you think about this report? 
I mean, I think based on everything I know about Monty Williams and his system, like the loss of Dario Saric this past season probably profoundly affected him in how he wanted to run the Suns offense. Like, I, I really believe that that type of player is is a special type of player. I'm trying not to overdo it now, but is is like a valuable player to, to Monty Williams in their system and being able to soak up space in the middle of the floor and, you know, hit a few threes and make plays for others. Um, Dario's inside gravity is going to continue to be a problem, man. The, the pump fake's only going to get him so far. And so yeah. do I really believe he can have like substantially above replacement value, uh, uh above replacement player value next year? I'm, I'm not sure. Right. Um, I think he can be solid. Uh, does he live up to a $10 million contract? Maybe, maybe he does yeah. that. Um, but I'm not into like you could, you could revive him. I would be pretty shocked if Dario Saric was like one of the Suns' eight best players next season, though. I guess I'll just say that. I see him kind of more of like a yeah. case-by-case basis. We'll play you in some games when it, when it makes sense, um, but not all the time. Do you think people have forgotten how good he was? I mean, like, here's to the thing. Some extent, he, he was, was like a top-five player <laughs> for the Suns. He was so you know. good the first half of the final season, and yeah. then he was yeah. so bad. That's the other yeah. thing, too. He really yeah. was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just the Suns really don't have anyone who can do the things that he can do. So I just understand That's why fair. they want to keep him. And if he can get back up to being like relatively healthy, then it's still a pretty good contract for the value that he could potentially bring off the bench, which essentially at one time there was like six man of the year buzz that we <laughs> probably contributed to uh, when yeah, it comes to We Dario absolutely Charles. contributed to that. We absolutely. <laughs> we, 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 got, <laughs> we got Kevin O'Connor to tweet about it. Um, all right, a couple things from our discord real quick that i want to answer since we have just i know it's going a little long but just we have two questions so we might as well answer them and for those who don't know we started a discord for our patreon if you're interested in signing up for our patreon you could do it patreon.com slash the timeline and you could ask us questions like this that we'll maybe bring up on a podcast in the future bryce said with mcgee Mm -hmm. i'm sorry we now have over 200 people in the discord um Mm -hmm. i think i've said it before they're all incredibly attractive so if you would like to be attractive too please go sign up for the discord anyway Mm -hmm. said my (laughs) spiel uh go ahead bryce 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 underscore 17 said with mcgee biombo and Aiton all being free agents this summer are you at all worried that none of the three will be back I think this actually might... I'm I mean, sticking, Biombo is the most likely at this I'm point. I'm sticking maybe. to my guns that Bismack Biombo. I yeah. forget what I said exactly. I said Bismack Biombo, other than Chris Paul and Devin Booker, is the most likely son to return or something like that. And I am sticking to my guns. He is going to be in the Because it's a minimum uniform. deal. He's, right? he is, and he could play with Chris Paul. He is a surefire minimum deal who I I just... I think everyone in the locker room adores Bismack Biombo, and there's no reason they would want to see him leave. Right. Uh, I think that's obvious. JaVale, it becomes more difficult because it's like if JaVale wanted a minimum deal, I'm sure they'd bring him back too. If JaVale yeah. wants $5 million again, then they probably don't want to do it. I'm not sure. We'll see. But yeah. yeah. If Aiton's gone and they trade Aiton for a wing, maybe McGee comes back and plays the 14-minute game starter role that he's done on contenders in the past. Right. But yeah, I think Biombo might be the most likely at this point. And I mean, I'm including Aiton in that. Um, Mr. Franchise said, I keep seeing the Suns working out players from the draft, even projected in the second round picks. Uh, he wants to know if we have a foreseeable route back into the draft and if we do, who's trading their second round pick for Alfred Payton. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Suns could probably 
get into the draft if they were willing to trade a player. Like you could probably get a pick for like Tory Craig in the second round. Well, or, um, uh, Landry Shamit maybe even in the first round, depending on the team. If it's like a late, I mean, that's who what was it? Denver for in the past. was it? Denver today that just traded Jamichael Green yeah, for Jamichael um, Green. What pick? A future protected first round pick that they're likely not going to get, I think, and then two second round picks. What? So basically, two second round picks. Well, they, no, they got a they got a tangible. Okay, I'll, I'll admit I've not seen this detail before. <laughs> I was, thought they got well, a tangible. I, don't know the I thought they got, a, but it was projected. I thought they got a numbered pick this year. Like I thought they traded Jamichael Green and they got it. Oh, maybe the they did. This year. Okay, no, um, you're, I think you're right. Let me look, I think let you're let right. Look. Let me fact check myself. Yeah, maybe in the real protection. Time. Maybe the protected pick was going back the other way. I, I, I should do, know this I as the guy who's named. Protected pick. I, on do the think, I do think that's what it was. Okay. Um, Woj just tweeted a decent amount today. What the hell? Okay, yeah. Jamichael uh, Green. It's the last day that uh, players can like cancel their declaring for the draft. So yeah. So Jamichael Green to the Thunder for for the thirtieth pick. And yeah, there was other there stuff go. going each way, but but that was the basic. Yeah. Um, oh, so that's an example. It. That's a first round pick. So if Jamichael Green, not a great player. Yeah, if Jamichael Green can go for the thirtieth overall pick, you could probably trade Landry Shamit for a second round pick somewhere. Yeah. Does or, or OKC has like twenty five picks, so. or like Tory Craig for a second round pick that might make sense too. He's because he's yeah. on a deal next year, so expiring as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. Sorry, we don't know anything about those players. We do want to do a live show for the draft, just with us reacting, maybe having some experts on. Hopefully, you guys are interested in that. We'll post a link. I think that one will just be open to everyone, not just Patreon, so everyone could join in on that one, and we'll have a party for the draft of us. Just you can make fun of us, basically, not knowing who any of the players are, uh, and it could be kind of fun, I think. Uh, but that's all we got this week. We appreciate you guys for listening. Thank you to the patrons who gave us questions, and everyone who signed up for the Patreon. Discord has been very fun. We'll be back hopefully with a patreon episode this week i am feeling slightly under the weather so hopefully i feel a little bit better by the time we have to record that one but we appreciate you guys and we will be back soon everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.